Come on and zoom a starting soon. Come on and zoom a zoom a zoom a zoom a zoom a zoom The potato chip. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in somewhere. No, no. Hello and welcome to Raise a Glass, the podcast where we discuss the stories and storytellers that shape us. I am Hunter Danson. And I am Eric Lintola. And this week we are going to be discussing one of my favorite authors uh, and discussing his book called Fool's Crow mm. uh, by James Welch. And before we get to that, I have to know what is in Eric's glass. Well, I don't know if it counts as a glass today because I haven't poured it into anything. Uh, but I am drinking um, blueberry pomegranate body armor light. Um, this okay. was introduced to me uh, and my wife by friends. <laughs> um, it has coconut water in it. Uh, thus, it's very hydrating. Um, you can find it at your local mm. Aldi or on Amazon or uh, any store near you. Uh, low calories, no okay. sugar added. Um, this is one of the better flavors, uh, but they're all pretty good. And if you are um, a recently, a, um, if you're a woman who recently gave birth and are seeking to have <laughs> the, a large supply, uh, I have been told that this is the drink for you. Um, uh. Or if you are somebody who is... Uh, doing a lot of exercise and needing to be replenished um mm. this is the drink for you um or if you are sitting in your basement uh in front of a an electric fireplace having a conversation with a close friend and trying to decide what to consume <laughs> uh while talking about a book that you just read this is the drink for you Body armor. okay <laughs> can't argue with that endorsement it is good. I, I do really enjoy it. Good. But Hunter, sorry, <clears throat> what is in your glass? <laughs> sorry, did you did you just spill some? I no, just, no, no. I don't think it's anything dribbled. It, okay. it was close, but nothing. No. Yeah, uh, I I have a. Chocolate stout. Again, I already poured it, so I don't remember the name of the brewery. I just got it at Aldi, but I um, strengthened it with a little bit of the white man's water. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I found it was a little bit too sweet uh, for me. I'm not a huge fan of like chocolate stouts. I, I mean, I was... It was at Aldi and and uh, it's fall and it's a fall kind of <laughs> drink. So Aldi it's, has it's... stepped up its beer game recently. I've noticed that I've gotten some local breweries beer at at our Aldi. Yeah, yeah, uh, they have some of that some local stuff in Connecticut too. Pretty good. Yeah. Um. Are you are you pouring out this week for anything or raising 
I'm raising a glass. Uh, maybe I'll pour one out in in relation to it. But I one of the my passions, as you know, Hunter, is to um, uh, make jams and jellies. Mm. And uh, this this weekend, I got the chance to to do just that. So I'm going to raise a glass to local produce. Um, this weekend, I was able to make a raspberry jam right. from from raspberries in our garden. Uh, a mulberry rhubarb jam from uh, some urban mm. urban foraging, my wife and I call it, or my wife calls it. Uh, there's a, a mulberry tree uh, at the corner that's growing um, next to an apartment building uh, that I was able to pick from and rhubarb from one of my wife's coworkers. And then I also made a pepper jam with peppers from my mother-in-law's um, that goes really, really well on cream cheese with some crackers. Oh. Nice. So I'm going to raise a glass to canning, jamming, mm. uh, maybe a little bit of jellying in there, um, even though I usually try to add back right. the seeds and stuff like that. Um, and I'm going to pour one out for um, every so often. And thankfully, this didn't happen to me me this weekend, but it happened to my mother-in-law. You end up with uh, a jar that just, it's it's not willing to go the distance. Uh, mm. And what has been, you know, hours of your life you've poured into this process uh, in one fell pop uh, can lead to tomatoes covering the entire bottom of your pot um, and, you know, glass um, that Ooh. needs to be cleaned up. So, um, yikes, raising a glass, jams and jellies, pouring it out for uh, <laughs> those canning jars that just, they, mm. they just don't quite make it. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Hunter? Uh, I'm pouring one out for my legs <laughs> because I've been, uh, getting back into my, uh, workout routine and, um, I, today was leg day mm. and my legs are just not what they used to be. Um, <laughs> so they're kind of like jelly. Uh, last week they were even worse because that was like the first week I was doing it, and, mm-hmm. but they're still not quite there yet. Mm. But uh, <clears throat> I do a lot of like body weight jumps and lunges and stuff like that for skiing. But uh, yeah, uh, but I'm I'm raising a glass to uh, Mandarin Corner, which is a YouTube channel. It is the best Chinese content on the internet. <clears throat> wow, that's and a that's a is, big big fighting words there. I I don't have an opinion on this, but wow. Yeah, um, because she, the person who does it, she's a she's a native speaker. She has this channel, and she does interviews and podcasts and. Uh, slow stories in Chinese. Um, for those who don't know, I, I majored in Chinese language at the college named after a famous founding father without a father. And he did not chop down a cherry tree. No, not a cherry tree. But I have, you know, fallen off and and ran back and jumped back on the wagon with my Chinese mm, uh, great. 
through the years after graduating college <laughs> and uh mandarin corner she she does really good videos where she she like interviews actual chinese people on the street and asks them like chinese cultural questions and uh news stories she did one that asking them about like the amber heard and johnny depp trial because apparently a lot of people were following it over there and she has one where she like shows a bunch of different dialects uh hmm. and the way how it affects the way that they speak uh mandarin and but she does these um you can do like a one-time donation and you get she does tons of flashcards and her videos are like numbered and with subtitles, Chinese and English subtitles with, with the characters and with the pinion. And they're just so meticulously done and mm. like so watchable. And um, it's amazing to see how her content has like kept improving over the years. And she just did a cooking video uh, for the first time recently. and. Uh, it was, it was, it was great. And, um, so I'm, I'm raising a glass to, to Mandarin Corner because, uh, her English name is Eileen. Um, she does a really great job and this helps me kind of keep some of my Chinese from That's resting. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, one of the things that I gathered from that, I'm thinking, which is by no means what you were trying to communicate. Um, is that we should discuss uh, uh, a cookbook or two uh, or something like Ooh, that. Yes. Um, talking about stories and storytellers that shape us. I mean, the the impact mm. of, of recipes and family history uh, and the stories behind recipes. Um, I just got a, a grape uh, pie recipe today that I'm very excited about. Um, that Ooh. instead of using cornstarch as the thickening agent, uses tapioca. Um, Mm. And so, very excited about that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a good topic. Yeah. But this week, we are discussing Fool's Crow by James Welch. And not White Man's Dog. Not White Man's Dog. <laughs> That is the name of the protagonist in the beginning of the novel. And then he becomes a uh, fool's crow and uh, fool's crow was published. 1986, 1986. Yep. And uh, James Welch is a so this book follows, um, in the beginning, his name is White Man's Dog, and he is a member of the Lone Eaters, who is his tribe, um, and they call themselves the, the Picunis, which we would say Blackfeet. And the beginning of it is kind of more about native life um, and, you know, what kinds mm -hmm. of things what it's like to what, what it would have been like to live in this uh tribal life um but then as the novel goes on 
um, they have more contact with the Napaquans, uh, which is their name for the white men. And increasingly, the, the book the book ends with um, them encountering smallpox and the kind of breakdown of their society and the end of their way of life. And it kind of meditates on that. And there's a lot that happens in between um, specifically to white man's dog. He uh, changes his, he gets his name changed from white man's dog to fool's crow. And I, well, I'm curious what your reaction was. Had you interacted with, had you heard of James Welch or had you read any, anything like this or hmm. uh i had heard of james welch but i not in any way I've, I've never i don't think i've ever read any james welch i know he's written to poetry so i might have that's probably mm -hmm. where i was introduced to welch as i was just reading different poetry um yeah have i ever read anything like this um i have read novels that move me um that are part of like American history. Um, so in that way, mm -hmm. yes. Um, I've read yeah. um, one, of, one of a book I really enjoy called is called Code Talkers, which is mm -hmm. about Navajo Indians um, in World okay. War II. I've read that a couple of times. It's more of a I don't know, probably middle school age book. Um, had I read anything specifically like this uh, about like indigenous American life? Uh, Native American life. No, um, and and uh, you you shared in your your description of this or kind of your summary as it starts by talking about Native life in this in the Pakuni mm -hmm. um, for the Pakunis, um, and yes, it does, but it doesn't talk about it like, hey, here's what's happening. Uh, it doesn't talk about it like uh, like yeah. I would talk about it. It talks about it from an insider's perspective of what life was like. Um, mm -hmm. And it's like as people are walking around. And you're introduced to the um, Napiquan, uh, which is uh, the word for white people. Um, mm -hmm the not be quan language of things um it's like um <laughs> much later than you're introduced to the pakuni words um or or yeah. phrases or things um and i wish i wish i had one just right off the yeah. top of my head um the um, the moon uh is not called the moon it's called um uh Night red light. Night red light. That's it. Thank you. I've seen the word red. Red. I couldn't remember the words. Um, and yeah. um, I what I think is the little dipper is talked about as the seven stars. The seven persons. Seven is is that little dipper? I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, I think the little. I, and so like the, the, the these different pieces that sometimes you don't, I, even by the end of it I'm not fully sure. Um. I there's yeah. a like a preamble in the 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 version of it I I used um by an, another author who was friends with James Welch before 
either of them were known authors mm. and he was kind of the the language is that in the beginning of this book you almost need a translator um mm. to understand what's happening um yeah and i'm very excited at some point to read back through this book um because i think that i will catch things Mm-hmm. that I was completely oblivious to on a first read. Yeah. Yeah, I went back through and looked at some of my... I was looking for some of my favorite scenes and quotes, um, but I just ended up reading it, too. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I just kept... Like, I opened the first page and I started reading the first sentence, and then I just read, like, ten more pages. Um Mm-hmm. Because I lo- like something that I loved about this book is how immersive it. Oh my goodness! It is um, like you the way that he uses language and using the um, really creatively translating the Pakuni language into English um, in a way that is immersive, but it's not totally inscrutable. Um, like they measure mm. uh, days. They talk about traveling. They say, "Oh, we can reach this place in fifteen sleeps." Sleeps, yes. Um, or moons. Yeah, and the, and they'll say like, when the helping to eat moon comes, um, and it's just, I love, I love it. Um, it's. I think really subtle because James Welch doesn't really use a lot of flair in his language. He has a very kind of simplistic style um, in the tradition of, of Hemingway um, and Steinbeck. Uh, but it's, it's really subtle the way that he uses the the language and the Pakuni words. Um, yeah. I, there are so many ways we can go through this conversation and yeah. And it's because I haven't read a book and I, I did another audible version of this, which I, I recommend, I highly recommend you do that. Um, mm-hmm. Cause the one on audible is just incredible. The, it's just amazing. Um, but it, it's, I don't know when the last time I read a book of this like quality or a novel of this quality was um, something that mm-hmm. like is. I I spent time laughing and crying uh, in this book. I was convinced. I am convinced um, that uh, I want rides at the door to be my dad. Um, he seems like the most <laughs> incredible dad, like father ever. He's a great, um, he's a great dad. Uh, and and a great leader. It's and it's it's so it's a shame almost that we're maybe a great thing at the same point that we're reading this the week after talking about Ready Player One <laughs> uh, because they're almost the same length as far as oh really uh, like hours through I think they're both about fourteen hour like reads um, something oh, okay. like that. Um, that is where the similarities end. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> even if you know, I mean, it's probably even rough to even say they begin there. Um, hmm. 
I went on a whole tirade last in our last episode about um, telling versus showing hmm. in in uh, in what was written um, and like how I cannot stand it when an author tells you everything that happens. <laughs> yeah. This fool's crow shows you it you walk you are walking with fool's crow or with um fast horse or Mm. yellow kidney or red paint uh owl child like whoever it might be when you're with them like you it's 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 a third person omniscient um book right is or is it third person limited you're third person limited because you only ever get one perspective at a particular time, right? Because we don't go back and yeah. see somebody else's. Like every perspective is moving forward. I think he does mix perspectives. It might just be one line, but it's a okay. pretty limited. Like the narrator, I guess. Yeah, third person limited, technically. Yeah, because it's it, it's not. Here's what's happening in fools uh crow's life now let's see what's happening in red paint's life at the exact same time they might talk about it after it happened like red paint at one point discusses not red paint um oh my goodness um what is the name of ride rides at the door's third wife kills close to the lake kills close to the lake like at one point tells fools crow what she was thinking and what was happening in her life when they're talking after fools crow is interacting in a scene and we like even that's like a limited perspective um but i guess i kind of i'm getting off the track um and sorry for all those english teachers out there trying to say yo you don't remember anything about fifth grade english um this is why i'm (laughs) doing conversation um i wasn't the best english student (laughs) Uh, I, I, well, I did get good grades in English mm. class because I could write an essay. Uh, but in, in terms of knowing the spe- like specific grammar things, I'm not really strong in that. I'm just more, <laughs> I do it intuitively. Um, okay. Which means I probably break a lot of grammar rules too. But would you, you know say what? That you're, you don't have too many elements of style? Oh, well... <laughs> I just I have this a very small book with my like twenty one style rules. It might be a worthwhile conversation about that. I definitely read that as well before we uh I think before we yeah. ever met, so definitely. Maybe that's a prerequisite to go into our college. <clears throat> uh it's kind of embarrassing though. Um but <laughs> I love this book. Uh it brought me into a culture that i knew almost nothing about it brought me into time period that i've heard about and like know some information about um and i i knew through the whole thing that it's like it it felt like historical fiction um yeah which it loosely is but it's a novel it's it's right it's it's set in a historical time but um it is I mean, I just there were there are points, especially towards the end, where I was just crying. I was like, yeah. I, I can't. I'm not. There's not even worth trying to stop crying. It's just like it's emotional um, yeah. because you have become so ingrained 
um, to Fool's Crow and to any of the characters. Actually, that you you brought to me, you love um, oh my goodness, uh, the there's a book that you bring up all the time. That was a really old book. It's not the Iliad or the Odyssey. I don't think. Um, it's one where you keep talking about how oh, like we'll meet a random character for like and learn their backstory just for them to die in a battle scene. Um, oh, that is the Iliad. The Iliad. Okay. Mm-hmm. It it feels like that. Like you you meet a character, and within a few lines, you are just ingratiated to that character, whether or not you like them or not. You still feel like you feel for them. So like that. There's this one point. This yeah. This guy who was playing the Confederate Army, because you know all these things. Like he gets what? Like I don't know, three pages of airtime. Um, but by the time he yeah. dies, like you're just like emotionally connected to him, even though you're like, you know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 those types of things that that type of of writing. Um, I felt like I was I was seeing the, um, I can't remember any lang- any words right now. Um, the buffalo. What are, what's the word for them? The the blackhorns. The blackhorns. Um, like I felt like I was seeing them, uh, at, you know, running and, um, seeing the fish, um, even though you know they would never eat the fish, because that would not mm. be the, uh, Pakuni lifestyle. You know, that's um, mm. and just across the, the board. slippery swimmers. Yes. Yeah, I, I, uh. Just stumbled on this book um my home my hometown uh their high school mascot was the indians um and recently the school board wanted to change it and there was a very big backlash from the community um predominantly white town and it, it was it was really a sad uh it was the worst kind of local politics and identity yeah. politics and people had identified with this mascot who had no connection to uh native culture um there was one family i think who was fighting for it but but it was it was just so so i i wanted to learn more because in spite of growing up in a in a town that had a mascot that was a native mascot they just taught, we just learned what was on the regions we didn't have any like extracurriculum about the history of native people in the town or anything like that yeah and so i was i was looking up um just just for trying to find literature uh and i found james welch and i the first one i read was winter in the blood and i loved it winter in the blood is it's shorter and i think it's a little more depressing it's um, his first one too I, is it yeah it was, it's it's like thought, it was i think i think i was just reading on his uh uh piece that that was his first sorry you it's is it not actually Oh, okay. His debut novel, Winter in the Blood. Oh, okay. 1974. 
Yeah, that definitely worth reading. It's it's much sadder. It's a little more direct, I think. But sadder? I mean, fools. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a different kind of sadness, a different kind of journey. But I loved it, uh, and and then I read Fool's Crow, and Fool's Crow. It starts as as kind of a historical novel. Um, and it would be a great historical novel if it was just a historical novel. But I mm-hmm. think, but what I really love is that you you start to get these, he starts to blend kind of this, the surreal and ah. Ah. the dreams and yes, you know, the like fool's crow has dreams about his, his animal helper Wolverine. And he goes to free Wolverine twice. Return Wolverine twice. Yeah, Wolverine kind of gives him courage and tells him some information. And these dreams are vindicated in the real world. There's another character, Fast Horse, who has a dream, and his dream is not vindicated. Oh um, but then there's also this discussion of like medicine. And oh my goodness, um, I love that. I love that introduction. And like, it took yeah. it took me so long to figure out. Okay, what is what is this medicine? Uh, yeah. the beaver medicine that whole that scene <laughs> yeah ah wow what is the name of that what is the name of the um the chief um oh man um boss Mountain ribs chief. no is no, it not chief. boss ribs boss ribs yeah boss ribs um the the whole scene where he's talking through beaver medicine and like what it was and how it's been passed down and all of the different songs and all of these yeah wow like I, I, none you say surreal and and it's it's easy to hear the word surreal and think oh man this is like clearly like acid trip or or something that's clearly out like not real like it's it's it it couldn't have happened and yet it is such a clear part of the life of everybody in this culture in this time that at no point did i doubt the reality of these dreams and they actually even talk about that at one point like is this a real dream and right um like passing the pipe around and then smoking it like doing three puffs and puffing the 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 smoke up in the air uh fool's crow does it at one point and it's like and at that moment all of the men go from like kind of like distrust about whether he's telling the truth to oh he must be telling the truth because what he just did if he was lying he will be dead by next winter um you know it will bring dishonor <laughs> on us. It, it's yeah i wish i could yeah. like have a word for he... for the this this uh hand hand motion of like your hands on your head like just like whoa like yeah mind-blowing mine yeah yeah it's it it's really you just have to go read it i think we can't really do it justice Mm -hmm. i will try by describing one of my favorite scenes which is the healing of one spot who is fool's crows uh i guess brother-in-law He's a young boy and he gets bitten by a wolf. Uh, and we're, we're pretty spoilery podcast. And just because I love this book so much, I'm going to tell you, <clears throat> we're, we're going to get into some spoilers. Uh, mm-hmm. And towards the end, like I definitely want to talk about the end, which is a huge, oh. and 
it won't ruin the story for you, but if you want to experience this book, because it is a book that deserves to be experienced, um, mm-hmm. just go read it. Stop listening and go yeah, read Stop it. listening, read it, and then come back and listen to the rest of this episode. Um, yeah. I think that's a good point. I, I, Even though I think if you know what's going to happen, it, it, you still don't have any idea right. what's going to happen. Yeah. And and even knowing what's going to happen, like the point of this book is not just knowing the plot. There's mm. it is it is a, an immersive experience, um, and there are just so many little lines and things that I think, like I just I just want to read it again mm-hmm. right now. Um, and but this this scene, uh, one spot gets bitten by a wolf who has rabies, and the white foam. Yes, the white foam. Um, they never use the word rabies, but, um, that's pretty clearly what it is. Mm -hmm. And Fool's Crow at this point has been apprenticing with Mikapi, who is the main medicine man for the- Many face. Yes. For their tribe and many faces man. Yes. Um, and so he, and, and Mikapi is not there in the tribe at that time. So fool's crow has to perform the rituals and do the medicine for one spot. And they skin a Buffalo. They skin a black horn. They do it quickly. Cause it, you know, it's urgent. And it needs to be a freshly killed black horn. Great. It needs to be a green yes. skin. Cause like, yes, it's not skin. yet dead. It, it turned Brown. Yeah, and they roll one spot up in the Blackhorn skin. They flip him over, and Fool's Crow is, is singing songs. They light a fire with some sweet grass, and Fool's Crow takes a burning stick, and he starts all the time singing this monotonous song. Um, what, it's like it's Medicine Wolf is my healer. Mm medicine yeah. wolf makes me strong it's kind of monotonous yeah. over and over song mm-hmm. and he's you know rocking and starts burning the outside of the hide singeing the hair mm-hmm. with a uh stick that has a, a hot coal on the end and the kind of smoke fills the teepee this kind of really heady smell and he they'd roll the boy over and he just keeps burning and burning and burning until there's no unsinged hair left on the skin. Mm-hmm. And um, after that, I think, I think they, they take him out and they give him a bath and then, yep. you know, he sleeps and the boy eventually gets better. And he's, he's, he's drumming on a drum um, with the, it's, it's kind he of walks a around like drum, a bear uh, Wolverine a, a few times. Yeah, he walks around like a wolverine. He's like it one spot's little brother kind of wakes up and sees Fool's Crow kind of like snarling and yapping around um acting out the part of a wolf around yeah. one spot. And it's a wolf now. Yep. The boy eventually gets better. And this scene it it took me away and it <laughs> so you look like you want to say something. Yeah, well it's 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 <laughs> But you don't find out he gets better until like ten chapters later, and it's just like brought up that he's still like he's fine. It's like right, 
Yeah, I mean, you you know that he's out of the woods, I but think. you d- you still don't even even yeah. if somebody's out of it. Yeah, uh, I I just my my reaction. You you keep going. I'll I'll, I'll jump in yeah. afterwards. But I I think that this scene was the turning point for me from you know just really liking this book into loving this book because it is a perfect example of how James Welch blends these kind of supernatural elements with with real elements because this is I'm I'm not going to doubt him I'm pretty sure this is this is a pretty fairly accurate description of medicine he he might have embellished some things but um I'm not going to doubt James Welch and I think oftentimes especially as uh white Americans we living in 2022 we hear descriptions of ancient practices um and you know this isn't quite as ancient as like the ancient greeks or something like that but 1870s yeah it's 1870s um but you know this is presumably something that has been passed down these rituals and things and we think uh, that they just didn't really know what rabies was and uh, just did kind of things that were maybe effective or maybe not. But I think that does that gives ancient people not enough credit because oh, yes, okay they they lived they lived outside twenty four seven. They weren't distracted by screens and stuff, and they were. They, you have to think that they knew. Like we have to look at a watch to know what phase the moon is in, but. <laughs> They lived by them. They lived and died by it. If the um, stars change in the sky, I don't think I would know. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, like, who? <laughs> how many of us really know about constellations? We we don't know what seven persons is. No. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I was thinking about, like, you know, how, how would you treat someone who like has a fever or some kind of infection? And and I was thinking about this ritual and you, you know what? Like, I, I think it might be actually pretty effective because you are, uh, you know, heating them up and cleansing them with the smoke. And, and, and I'm not trying to say that, like, if you have rabies, then what you really need is to do native medicine but it's just i just love the way that he makes it so real um yes which is something that i think we desperately need in the conversation about native people i have two big thoughts um on this Mm -hmm. um the first is that one of the major aspects of this culture that we're we're introduced to is the spiritual aspect of everything. Hmm. Like, you know, everything, and this is probably, this isn't the right language, but like having a spirit animal, like the wolverine, um, which you know, has been totally mis, mis, misnomered and, and misused today. Um, a spiritual world. Um, and with that, there's a spirit, like an evil yeah. spirit that would enter into people um, in this, this view when they're sick. And mm. the current 
approach to medicine um of which even like in this in this book the the um the Bakuni people realize the be- the the strength of the um Napiquan um medicine bundles um and like this this healing juice uh vaccines um but there is a while we clearly have much better you know, medicine nowadays there's no there's no doubt about it um one of the things that i think we we miss uh in our in our broader culture is the spiritual side of life um mm. and i think that they're kind of i think there's like two major camps both of which i think are not not right i think there's a large camp of people in our in our world in our country who have moved to this space where they might call themselves atheist mm-hmm. or nuns or whatever it might be that think, okay, I have a body and no spirit or soul. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's live now. And then you have another group of people. Um, and I think many Christians can fall into this space. It's a form of Gnosticism. Uh, if you're looking for more about it, check out becoming whole or when helping hurts great books um, where this idea that we are spirits who live in bodies um when in reality um i would argue and and those couple books i was just talking about do as well that we are embodied spirits like it's not an accident that we have bodies um and so there's a spiritual side to things Mm. as well and i think that that is something that was huge in this culture um that james welch is introducing us to um and yeah it's it's stunning um, and I think the second point, um, the second point I'm going to make, I don't remember if it was the second one that was in my mind when I said I had two points, um, mm-hmm. is I don't think I'll ever, I, I, I've seen like, you know, I've been to events and seen movies where there's like a, a healing or a song ritual or something that is happening. Um, by a Native American or indigenous person. Um, and I, I think I, a, lot, a large part of my perspective has been, cool, let's go to the next thing. Like, what's really happening? I don't understand. Um, yeah. After reading this, I feel like I will never view, view those things in the same way. Um, because mm-hmm. I feel like I've been given the opportunity to experience like something from the inside um, as an outsider to this culture. I feel like I've been giving an inside view of this culture and maybe, maybe this, this culture, you know, is, is not actually accurate to the 1870s. Um, Pakuni people uh, based off everything that I was hearing, even from the, the, the introduction to this book, like it is. Um, and I have no reason to doubt it. Um, but even if it's not like, Oh my goodness, yeah. I feel like I still, have been given the opportunity to experience a world that I will never know. And, and it will impact the way that I see um, and experience future interactions um, with native history, um, with indigenous persons. It's yeah. Did you have any favorite scenes or 
passages? I'm so recently having been, I, I, I finished this book probably a half hour before or 15 minutes before our discussion. Um, mm. And I, unlike uh, Ready Player One, which I listened to, and Ready Player Two, I listened to both of them on two and a half times speed. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, there wasn't that much to, if you missed something, it didn't really matter. Um, and I'd already read Ready Player One. Um, I listened to this one on 1.05 speed. Um, I added that 0.05 just because I knew that timing wise, trying to read this whole book in one week was just going to be really challenging. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm still kind of processing these pieces and like the last few parts. But, okay, I'll, I'll I'll share a scene though. Um, this is kind of okay. be like I, I feel like I could talk about any of these scenes just because it's it's so fresh in my mind and I'm so like emotionally mm. um, invested Eric's in these characters. Hot takes, hot reactions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the I, I brought up earlier that I think rides at the door would be the greatest dad ever. Why don't we? Why don't I talk about that scene where Ooh. he is confronting um, yeah. his younger son, um, who is running Fisher, Fool's Crow's, Fool's Crow's younger brother, and his third wife. Um, what what's her name again? Um, kills close to the lake. Kill kills close to the lake. There it is. Um, there's so much background to this that it, it's and so here's the thing if, if you decide that you, if you decide you're going to keep listening and you're like okay you know whatever with with um you know you, you're okay yeah. with the spoilers that what we're describing are just individual scenes that are the like are come together from so many different angles like mm -hmm. to this one space and then move on to so many different spaces and come back together that like you're having maybe some of the bigger moments like spoiled in the sense of you're not going to experience them for the first time. And, and, but it's by yeah. no means going to spoil any part of this book. Um, so kills close to the lake and, um, running Fisher, uh, have an, an affair. Um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not a healthy affair. I mean, not that it, there's no such thing as a healthy affair, but it is. Yeah. Pretty, kills close to the lake is raped by running fisher and then she goes back to him um right is that, mm -hmm. that that yeah it's it's yeah it's basically rape yes yeah. um and and um and in this culture that and it's found out by um rides at the doors second wife or first wife or, or sits sits next to him wife sits beside him wife and so in this culture at this time um if that became publicly known it would shame and dishonor the entire family um and honor is the primary commodity honor and horses um and medicine yeah, yeah. bundles but like really honor is so so important and losing your honor um, which maybe we can talk about yellow mm -hmm. kidney at some point. Like, is just it? it well, oh yeah. yeah. Um, but it comes to this point where rides at the door is in his um 
pent in his um lodge. Lodge, thank you. Um, with kills close to the lake and running Fisher, and he, he's so much older than both of them. He's um, and. It, this isn't even going to be talking Yeah, they're about. only one year apart. Yeah, he's which... like 30 years older than, or 25 years older, 30 years older than his yeah. wife, his third wife. And and that, that again, there's so much story behind this um, that within this particular culture, it doesn't feel wrong. Um, yeah. Even though in our day, modern day and age, it would be for multiple reasons. Um, mm-hmm. And he's in this conversation with the two of them and the correct response, like the, the response he should have based off of the, the narrative and, and, and the examples of other such interactions um, is that mm. the son should be pretty much killed or banished, like banished, never to be seen for uh, again and, and or killed. Um, and the wife should be mutilated or killed. Um, yeah. And and he, the way he and, and again, this is not doing this is doing a disservice to the beauty of this scene. Um, he, in his infinite wisdom, and he is definitely the wisest character in this entire book. There's no, I don't think there's any doubt about <laughs> it. Um, yeah, he ends up having this this scene with his third wife, with his wife, where he tells her that maybe 15 years ago he would have killed her or mutilated her um, and it would have been appropriate for him to do so um, and it still would um, but he realizes that he was at least he was at fault for, for some of the things behind this and he apologizes to her which seems like would never happen in this type of situation and then tells her to take three horses and go back to her father's family not to come back to this the this the, the um Bakuni fa- the tribe again um but not to tell anybody about this and to in many ways like restart her life um and then and and she leaves immediately and then he, he has an interaction with uh running fisher who and he and and he also apologizes to running running or has a, a a type of apology with running fisher i'm pretty sure as well um mm-hmm. and decides says hey you're you have to he he, t- he quote he banishes him in a sort of way um at the beginning um to go to um a different group of people and he tells them like to go to them not tell tell them what happened um to go with downcast eyes to go and tell only the medicine man the entire story and then his son running fisher who we don't hear anything of um yeah. like we don't hear his perspective like at almost any other part of this book you get like little snippets here and there where you're like oh something's happened in his life and he's like mm-hmm. starts following the the trajectory of another character called fast crow um not fast fast horse fast horse um yep who's got an entire other like story arc in this this book yeah um and and it's not a good one it's not one that's like leading to honor it's one that leads to shame um and running fisher like shares like 
his perspective of like what has happened and the dishonor he feels. And he's like, he's not begging, like, like he's not begging his dad not to do what he did. He's he's saying, you are a hundred percent right. I deserve anything and everything, like any type of punishment. And, um, rides at the doors response is, is tears and more pride in his son than he's felt in so long. And makes it clear to his son, like, Hey, running Fisher, like, you know, once you've like been brought low, like come back, you're not Mm -hmm. dead to me. I love you. I'm your dad. Um, and it's just, the scene itself is incredible. And what makes it that like just the way it's written, mm. um, the interactions, it would be incredible nowadays in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. But then trying to understand, and 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 James Welch does a really good job of this um, without like telling you, but like showing you, um, like you're you're shown what should be the response, mm-hmm. and you're then you're shown what rides at the door does, and why he does it, and it's like. Oh my goodness. And and that's that's something that this entire book does so well. It 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 is never belittling of any of the cultural decisions um of these yeah. of the Pakunis, of, of any of the native people. And it's and it's also like not belittling of the Napiquan people either. like it's very clear who's it's very clear who like is the correct like the the who is the but even yeah, then like they're... at different points you're given the Napiquan perspective around it and you're also like it's said in a way that's like not terrible like it, it's like they're not clearly the villains at the same time as they're also have done bad things and have brought dishonor it, it's 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 just all of yeah. these things that are happening throughout it that it's not a good versus evil type book. Um, and it starts with the raid, but what do you have things to add to that scene? Did I uh, miss something? Is there no, something that, no, I just, I, yeah, that's that scene demonstrates one of like the other big reason. One of the other big reasons I love this book, which is it. It shows the, morality of the native people and it shows that they're not just some monolithic culture Mm. that they are a rich and complex culture of many different tribes yes and many different peoples and like any society they have people who are morally good and morally bad and and everyone in between and um And and I I'll speak for myself to, to avoid making generalizations. I I had a very vague idea of like native morality and um kind of cultural rules of native peoples, which is really a shame, um because I think most of us in America know from high school we know that what happened to the native people of this land 
It was essentially genocide. Mm -hmm. And, but I don't think we know really what we've lost. Mm. Wow. Because we just, at least for me, from my education, I just had kind of a vague idea of the five big tribes in. Scoom. Yeah. <laughs> right. But whatever you needed to know for the regents, I learned and then I forgot it. And that is, it is impossible to overstate what a tragedy that is because this is a, a rich culture that can teach so much. Uh, and um, yes, I think this, this scene, there's so much going on that is contrary to our modern moralities. You know, he, it's his third wife. It's, his son and, and they've been sleeping together is it a fair but but you understand you understand it and you feel it and you get to see um rides at the door make a really really wise decision and yeah. act in in a really um mature way and just be a really good man. And and we don't, at least I didn't, but before I read this book, I had no clear idea of what quote unquote, a good man would be to a native person. Like, mm. like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think we have to talk about the end because Unless you have any anything else you wanted to, I I wanted to talk about a couple of things before we get there because I don't want to talk about them okay. afterwards. Like they're not, I don't want to wait till the end to make them seem more important <laughs> than they are. Uh, does that okay. make sense? Um, yeah. The first is, and this one is important. Um, Hunter, you should definitely link the article you wrote about what was happening in your town to this to this episode. Um, I think that that you you're an incredible author. I really enjoyed reading that. Um, talking with you as the entire conversation around the mascot and what was happening in your town was going on. Um, mm. I think it's a really, really worthwhile piece to read. Um, and it's an opinion piece, which, which I appreciate. Um, Thank and you. because, you know, some people are going to disagree and, and I think you do such a good job way better than the other, even the national news outlets were doing. Um, Cause this made national news. Um, mm. Because they were just trying to like Washington bring, Post. Yeah, they're just trying to bring things together and just kind of like say, "Oh, this is what's happening," and mm -hmm. and you dove into it because this is your hometown. So you should definitely link that. Um, Thank you. The I'm other piece, yes, yes, good. Uh, the other piece is, and, and you know what my favorite fantasy book series is of all time, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, we're going to talk about it now uh, because I think it relates to it. Um, Wheel of Time. I love Wheel of Time. Um, I what I didn't share this earlier, even though I'm one of the primary means I have um, that I learned that I have of like understanding native culture is through the Aiel people in Wheel of Time. Mm -hmm. And let me start off by saying. <laughs> The Aiel people are a, a fantasy people in a fantasy world that I would argue are loosely based off of Native uh, American culture. Um, and 
and that's where the similarity ends. Um, and what James Welch does is just so completely different and so honestly, so much more rich and so much more impactful because of its historical presence. So I'm talking about a fantasy people in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to make sure that's really clear. Um, but one of the things I love about the IEL people that I didn't realize, um, was was my my name right now in our chat is two rivers um it's mm. partially because one of the places you can you know, that's talked about often in this book is two bends river um and mm. two rivers is the name of the primary place in real time um i thought it was witty <laughs> and the aiel people are a group of people that um operate in tribes um operate within band like bands of like people within the tribes mm-hmm. so like even within a tribe of the Pekuni of like one of the tribes of the Aiel there'll be different bands of warriors um and so they'll they'll have ties outside of the tribe to other tribes with ha- which are part of the same like clans or bands of warriors um which is something that is based off of um what's happening uh, or what ha- what happened um and then the the interactions of the the way in which honor and wisdom and handling yourself well in the midst of war and battle like it leads to greater honor and leads to greater standing your mm-hmm. then and your standing isn't based off of your wealth even though often wealth comes as a like Often those who have greater standing also had greater wealth because of the way that it showed their wisdom. Uh, but it, it was it's a lag factor, not like a indicating factor. Um mm. like it came after their bouts of wisdom. Um I don't know, there's just all sorts of things, but I, I, maybe I'll just I'll stop there, because uh, we'll talk about wheel of time at different times. But I, I, I didn't realize how much the Aiel people were based off of native mm. um people and i and i really i do think that there is a similarity there and it, that, that 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 part of at least uh and i'd say a large part of um robert jordan's um inspiration for this grouping of people uh was from uh native americans yeah um i think there are America has a very strange, um, and, and this is tangentially related, but uh, I don't know. I, I think America has a strange relationship with Native culture in like media depictions. Um, mm, oh, it's, yeah. I haven't gotten too far. I'm reading book three of Wheel of Time. Um, and so you have you haven't interacted with the Aiel. You just met the Aiel. Which is why book three is one of the better books because you're starting to meet the people. Um, you're a dragon yeah. reborn, um, so you you might not have even you probably have seen a couple of them. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd hazard to guess it's one of the better depictions. Um, it explodes after like, once yeah. after you hit like the end of book three, like the 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 Aiel people. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear your thoughts okay. on that as you kind of get there because we're we're you're entering the space. So yeah. I, I, but. It's it is strange because even going back to like I don't know old westerns, um, 
you will have like native characters or one that is most clear in my mind is Star Trek Voyager, which has a native character. His name is Chakotay. Um, he, they don't t- say which tribe he's supposed to be a part of. He's just Native American. And unfortunately, he, well, Robert Beltran does a good job portraying them, but Robert Beltran is not actually a Native person. Um, mm. I believe Robert Beltran is, is yeah. Mexican-American. Um, <clears throat> and they do, but, but they do these, like, every once in a while, they'll have, like, a Chicote episode where his sort of, like, Native medicine uh is featured in in the episode somehow like the power of of his dreams or um i i don't remember exactly but um i think that like people are fascinated by this culture but But here's the thing, like this, the consultant that they had on Star Trek Voyager was not actually a person of native heritage. He claimed to be, but he didn't have it. And Ugh. it just loses so much because when you compare it to Fool's Crow, if you want to know what, what a depiction should be like, read Fool's Crow because it... Uh, just read it. <laughs> yeah, just read it. Um, ah, there's there's still so many things to talk about when it comes to dreams. When it comes to the the the, the scenes of like why Fool's Crow got his name, the the running the mm. um the raids that are happening that are part of. I honestly and, and you 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 brought up the the ending which we're going to like. I thought that's how this book was going to end. Yeah, was with an all out battle or a raid or. So and and it does somewhat, but it's not one in which you don't see the action. We see the aftermath, mm-hmm. and we hear a little bit. We hear about what happened in it, um. But it comes after this incredible dream-like sequence where Fool's Crow ends up not in the afterlife, um, and not in the now, but like in an in-between space. Yeah, and sees the future of his people, which is also something that Robert Jordan does in with the Aiel. Honestly, I'm thinking that maybe Robert Jordan read um, Fool's Gold, Fool's Crow, maybe Fool's Crow, and uh, was like, "Oh wow, yeah, maybe that's a good idea." I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hunter, you take it away from me. You want you wanted to start off before I did, so yeah. Well, I, I'll also mention, um, or maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. In, in my next book, there is a culture that is a tribal culture, um, and I tried to sort of like make them like have like definitely inspiration from from Fool's Crow, but I also tried to take inspiration from like ancient viking culture just so it's not a complete like white man writing about a native culture in his fantasy book um so i mean like i can't i don't think there's any like acceptable way for me to say what i'm trying to say 
Um, I because because there's there's a whole industry that thrives off of mostly white people's fascination with native culture and you know we buy dream catchers and we use the designs and and that's that sort of stuff and I, I don't think it's all bad but it can go so much deeper than than just an aesthetic and that's what this book does and at the end you know you have these glimpses of kind of supernatural elements like dreams and you know fool's crow's medicine and his animal helper the wolverine and he goes to this in-between place and i i don't know for certain i think james wells is basing this off of a native american myth um and i i picked up a, a book of native american myths um just like a collection and it's 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 beautiful um but this woman is her name is feather woman and there's a myth about her where she asked the above ones who are like sun chief and moon and she she asked them to go live with them and she ends up wedded to i think it is i think it's moon uh and she digs turnips in the sky with the above ones. She's taken away from her people on the ground. And they tell her not to dig this one turnip, this one really big turnip in the middle of the field. But she digs it. And when it comes open, she sees her people and she sees her father. And she is sad and lonely and she misses them. And then she is punished for this. And mm -hmm. it, it is, James Weld says at one point, her only sin was one of loneliness. Then mm -hmm. and now and forever, she had been punished and the people were being punished for a reason that Fool's Crow could not understand. The people had always lived in harmony with their sacred beings. Always they had performed the ceremonies to the best of their ability. They sacrificed often and without stinginess, and yet they were being punished. And it <laughs> kind of choking up thinking about it right now because it. it mm -hmm. It is James Welch grappling with just the overwhelming loss of life of and, and history of his people. And yet, they live on uh, still today. This, this is a question of theodicy. Like why why do bad why would God let bad things happen? Hmm. Um, and that's the question that they're asking, um, and it's a question that many of us ask. 
and a lot of people ask, uh, especially in the midst of COVID, um, and is being asked in the midst of the Napiquan, the white people um, coming, in, the Caesars coming to kill them all. It's asked mm-hmm. in the midst of the smallpox or what's called the the white dots, the white, um, and it's the part of the answer. I mean, their their answer is like it's it's because of like a past thing that we've done wrong, um, and part of the answer in the midst of like this knowledge that we are going to lose our culture, uh, or we are, we are going to be um be like overtaken by the Napiquan. We know we are going to be overtaken and like go. To, our kids are going to go to their schools. There's a lot continual questions in this book. Don't think about yourself. Think about your children, your grandchildren. Um, and part of the like one of the major responses that yellow um, not yellow kid, um, that fools grow, um, leans onto. And yellow kid has this point earlier on. Hmm. His his final scene is just one of just. I was crying during that scene too, um, but Fool's Crow's yeah. piece is is telling everybody like, you need like to the old people to like, you need to tell the stories. Um, so much of the native culture is one of collective memory, hmm. and it's one of that we hold the history. And it's a verbal history, right? The only written thing um, that exists in this whole thing is a a sheet of paper that Heavy Runner lifts up in the air that was made <laughs> by the um, by a leader, um, like by a commander or something like that in the U.S. Army, and it proves worthless. Um, in in this horrifically horrific scene, uh, this massacre, and and Fool's Crow gets to see the future of his people, and his peace that he keeps telling people, even as his future involves like his you know, kids or you know, generations being in white people's schools mm-hmm. and not and being othered. Yeah. Um, is like we might have lost our ability like, we might have lost our ability to um run with the black horns and and to do raids and to 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 do the things that have made us who we have been but we will still get the we will still be able to tell the stories and our people uh not just our history but who we currently are is wrapped up in this storytelling. Yeah. And this is a story full of stories. And this this story James Welch tells the story so well that you feel like you are living the stories. As they are unfolding, and like even this this piece that Hunter was just talking about about this woman picking this large turnip, which might sound ridiculous, <laughs> it's not. 
Mm. Uh, and it's it's prefaced like I don't know, 15, 20, 30 chapters before it happens. And you're told the perspective of it from what was passed down through the history of this of the people. And then all of a sudden you get the perspective of the woman who this story is told about. And and that type mm. of thing continually happens. And it's it's heart-wrenching. And it's enlightening. Yeah. And it's inspiring. Yeah, this I mean James Welch has written other novels too, and um he wrote a nonfiction called Killing Custer, which is about the battle of Little Bighorn, um also known as Custer's mm. Last Stand. It's about all the events that led up to it and the effects of it as well. Um it's it's more direct, you get a little more James Welch's directly speaking to you at points and more of a his, his like a history book nonfiction. I I do really recommend it as well if you want something that's a little more I guess detailed and historical, but um I I can't wait to read his other novels. Um and I I love the way that he ends Fool's Crow. I I think that this is a beautiful example of of someone writing without bitterness because mm. James Welch has every reason to write with bitterness he he is you know descended mm. from these people that that were abused and trodden down And yet, he he ends the book in such a beautiful way, um, and, and it's kind of a. I, I I was reading the end of this book with some apprehension because I had read Winter in the Blood and it doesn't have really it doesn't really have a happy ending, um, and so and and I just had grown so attached to Fool's Crow by this point. I read it over the summer. Uh, and and I was just like, you know, just just from the beginning when his name is White Man's Dog, I just and, and he's you know he's talking about how bad his his medicine is, like he's he's had a lot of bad mm -hmm. luck. I was instantly attached to him. Um, yeah, and you know, I I I just I went on such a journey with him. His character development is insane, like insane. Yeah. Yeah. And and just so you know, like I, I'm pretty sure the name White Man's Dog is a little bit tongue in cheek that that James Welch is doing, but the the reason that he's named White Man's Dog is because this storyteller comes to town and his name is I believe his name is Big White Man or something like that, White Big Man. Yeah. He's he's he I, he's not actually a Napiquan. Um but uh Fool's Crow follows Big White Man around. Um, and someone, you know, listening to his stories that he's telling. And then someone says, and then one day Fool's Crow is like out somewhere and he's in white, man, well, big white man is in the 
and telling stories and someone goes, Hey, where's white man's dog? Because fool's crow is following him around like a dog. And so that's how mm-hmm. they, he got his first name. Um, <clears throat> and then he gets fool's crow on a raid against the crows, uh, when they are going to, to take back the horses from the crows and make them cry. Um, and he kind of like, he almost gets wounded or something and he falls down and the man that he's fighting thinks that he has been hit, but fool's crow gets back up and, um, kills the man, I think in the battle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a chief. It's a, it's not just a, any yeah. guy. Yeah. It's like the big, big bad guy. And, um, it's a big bad guy for the first third of the quarter yeah, of the book. Yeah. And, uh, and so then they, they call him fool's crow because he fooled the crow. Um, into thinking that he was down and and it's it's great i i love the names it's just i just i love like i love it when names matter yeah yeah it's it makes me so happy um and there's one there's one whose whose name is uh sits in the middle (laughs) i just think it's like yep uh it's it's so great um such a like a beautiful and, and joyful. Oh, yellow calf. Yeah. <laughs> mm, the name that never was. Yeah. Mm. It's mm. everything. I mean, this, that's, this book will get you. I mean, we didn't touch on, we didn't even touch on yellow kidney and his whole Ugh. story, but I don't, I don't yeah. think we even need to, because I, I think that if we start talking about yellow kidney, we're just going to talk for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> and it will be interesting because this book's fascinating, but what will be even more interesting is reading it. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, whether reading it in, in print or doing the audible, like I re- the audible for this book is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to go back and re I, I'm going to get by, buy this book so I can have it on my shelf to read. But um, yeah. I felt like I was able to interact with it better because all of a sudden, like I, I learned the correct pronunciation of everything, mm. which is something I have a lot of challenge with when I'm reading a book. I'll pronounce everything yeah. incorrectly in my head. <laughs> and um, and I felt like it was really helpful to have it. And, and the, the voices that are done are, are just so spot on. And to my ear, obviously, I have a completely untrained ear, but like it, it's it was both like, OK, it started. Like, this makes sense, like based off what I know. But then it was also continually like, pushing me forward to be thinking more about it. And I, I kept waiting for Fool's Crow at the end to um, end up back on the mountain where Fast Horse had his original dream about and to find oh, yeah. that that frozen spring <laughs> and to um, get water for the. For the daughters or a coat, you know, and, yeah. and, and like, even like fast, like th- even characters that are, well, fast horse is a secondary character, but like kills close to like, is a, a, a tertiary character. Mm-hmm. Like even characters that are not important to the story arc have arcs yeah, and have like real growth that you see happen in their lives. Uh, and it's the level of skill that is, I don't think many people could write this book. Um, like 
okay. Very, very few people could write this book because of just even their background. Yeah. Um, but to write this quality of book, um, one that draws you in, one that tells a story full of stories, one that is showing you and, and, and introducing you to a world that is infinitely more complex than you can understand and does it in a way that throws you right into it and then show it's it's like if it's like moving to France before you learn French and living only <laughs> around French people who speak French only French um mm. it's disorienting and then it it becomes it starts to become familiar mm. uh and then all of a sudden like it becomes rich mm. And it's, I just, the, the end of this book just went straight to my heart. Uh, because you, you know, you dip in at the beginning and then you get more immersed and you, you know, I was so attached to Fool's Crow and all of his ups and downs and it kept looking like a bad end, like a, like a sad ending. And if you know any of the history, <laughs> it's not a happy ending. And yeah. I, I wanted fool's crow to have a happy ending. And the, the end is just kind of this picture of, Fool's Crow in red paint, and I, I believe Rides at the Door is there too, and McCappy. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of having, after the winter, this really hard winter that they've gone through. Hardest. Yeah, in which, you know, smallpox comes through the camp and through most of the other camps too, um, of the Bakunis. You know, this is really the end of mm -hmm. Native American civilization. Like, this is the apocalypse. Um, I remember reading a statistic, something, it was like over 90% of the population died. Um, for most, I think mostly from disease, but you know, it's mm -hmm. not like, not like the white man didn't encourage There's that. a huge thing. massacre. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I mean, but I mean, the, the smallpox box was also brought by the Napiquans. Yeah. I, it's, you're, we're on the precipice. We're, we're at the, this book occurs at the precipice of the Pakuni people. Like they're right on the edge of like nose diving and, and ceasing to exist. Um, and it tells the story of what had been, what mm -hmm. is, and what is coming and how even in the midst of yeah. this loss, there can be a continuation. And that's where, where where Hunter is getting to right now. Yeah. And I, I this is I'm reading I'm just going to read the last paragraph. Um it's about the bighorns um and the bighorns are really essential to the Cooney's way of life. They follow the big horns. Um, you know, there's that old cliche, which 
we learned in high school, use every part of the buffalo. Um, mm-hmm. And and that comes from the Bakunis and their relationship to the buffalo. Um, it, 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 the big horns, the black horns were sacred to them. Uh, yeah. And they're the, the buffalo is kind it's kind of a symbol of their way of life. And it, this is the last paragraph. Far from the fires of the camps, out on the rain-dark prairies, in the swales and washes, on the rolling hills, the rivers of great animals moved. Their backs were dark with rain, and the rain gathered and trickled down their shaggy heads. Some grazed, some slept, some had begun to molt. Their dark horns glistened in the rain as they stood guard over the sleeping calves. The black horns had returned, and, all around, it was as it should be. I can't add to it. No. There's no better way to end it, um, because life goes on and I think this I think through what we've read this might be the most complete story novel we've read it's hard we've read so many we've read some really amazing things um, but I, I don't think we've read anything like this yet uh, and I'm so grateful to you for introducing me to this, uh, the story. Thank you Um, for reading it. Yeah. I, I'm so glad I, 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 I did. Uh, and, and it it will not be, it it is not the last time I will read this either. Um, I really, I, I would encourage everybody to check it out. Um, even if you're like, uh, novels aren't my thing. Um, or like, uh, it's yeah. it's worth it. And read some of his poetry. He has a, I have one of a, a book of his poetry called "Riding the Earth Boy 40. Um, it's it's great. It's just just go read it. Just <laughs> stop listening. We're gonna end the episode. Stop listening to podcasts. Go read Fool's Crow. See ya. Bye.